This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. You know what I want? <laughs> I want a pump Hello and welcome to this weekly podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk. One day after the Raptors booked their ticket, punched their ticket to the NBA Finals, today I'm joined by the only guest that could ever have this conversation with me with this low of stakes and this many jokes that I'm sure are to come. Katie Heindel of the Basketball Feelings Podcast. Jesus, not podcast. Newsletter, the Basketball Feelings It could be. It could be. You know what? It, it could be a podcast. Sure. And she's written for Yahoo, The Athletic, tons of places. And uh, she's great. Katie, how are you doing? I'm good. And I want to say that, you know, maybe Basketball Feelings should be a podcast because the sky's the limit now that we know what the Raptors have achieved and how it inspires the rest of us. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I require 0.02% of the royalties for spurring this on, as if having a podcast is at all unique, and I gave this idea to you, but this is this is the way it works out now. Okay. We'll, <laughs> okay. See, we'll see when I... We'll see what kind of contract paperwork we can, we can draw up. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm doing very, very good. I feel... <laughs> As we were chatting about a little bit before we recorded, I'm feeling very sleepy, like I feel most of the city is today. Um, but it's a nice euphoric feeling. Okay, I, that's great. First of all, I'm very happy for you. The first thing I want to talk about is let's quell some some suspicions, some some excited people talking about Kawhi Leonard's sister. I'm sure you've heard the news. Are you aware mm-hmm. of the video that was trending last night? I feel like that's a great place to start. I, I want this podcast to be hot takey, 
So, so let's go for it. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Uh, wasn't it debunked already? Yeah, but I want to know your thoughts regardless. I think it's an interesting little piece. Our man culture. Anthony Doyle debunked it, did he not? I think he did. <laughs> my guy. Our, I our my guys. Guy. Yeah, all yeah. of our guy. Um, I don't know. I didn't really like. I saw it going around, but I I really put the I I very tertiary like. Was like, eh, I don't really want to see this right now. Last night, every the only thing I wanted to see were videos of players, like what they were doing after, and then like what things people were climbing on downtown. Yeah, I was low key kind of upset that the comment section under the reaction podcast was just people discussing that video after a guy posted the video in there. I was like, hey, this is not what this is for. Take it out. Oh, yeah. Hijacked that thread on you. Damn. Yeah, yeah. The the four comments that go under the reaction podcast that I read dissect like, every word. I will say this as far as like a take on it. Um, I know that, you know, people have slip ups on social media and it certainly allows us to like record and put those things on the internet forever. But I will say that Kawhi's entire family that we know of or have been introduced to strikes me as like very uh, intelligent and business savvy people. And I don't think they would do anything to like get in the way of what Kawhi decides, whatever that that is. And then totally. anything to like make him look bad. Yeah. I think, yeah, that is, that is probably the most troubling thing is that people debunked it because it wasn't uncle Dennis. It's like Kawhi has his own agency and I don't mean a business like, He's the guy who makes decisions for himself. The whole thing about Uncle Dennis like overriding everything and like taking him like he's a child saying Kawhi you're leaving San Antonio is a bit ridiculous. Like Kawhi is the most capable man that has ever lived in Toronto, apparently, and he can make <laughs> his own decisions. And I he could draw up a contract if he wanted to. I'm sure he could. I tell you what. <laughs> and <laughs> But yeah, I was just, I thought it was interesting, but I, what did you think about her recording at the same angle as Kawhi did when he said, about to chop y'all up karate style? Karate style. <laughs> How many times did I watch that video? That's its own podcast uh, to talk about. Um, I, <laughs> I feel like that's a very comfortable angle, you know? It's like, it's a bit flattering because it's slightly higher than your face, as we all know. That's the most flattering angle to take a selfie from, to record anything from. But it must just run in the family. The comfortable angle for the Leonards. I think for me, the most comfortable angle is slightly below the face. That way, the skin that hangs just below my chin is is in there. And so any type of jawline, the potential for has been erased. I think that's a great way to take pictures. How like I'm just picturing you as a frog. <laughs> I am a frog, 100%. <laughs> That's the best angle for frogs to take photos. Yeah, mm. it's me. Hit me, frog. Hey, guy, hit me, frog. Okay, but this I, is definitely alienating the I'll face. just say, yeah, 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 let's, let's come back for the base. Like, uh, another thing is, I can't believe that people were so, like, quick to, to, to ruin their own joy. <laughs> Yeah. Like, give yourself a bit of a breather. Just take one night off um, from your, like, what Kawhi's going to do conspiracy theories and just enjoy yourself. 
That was one of the articles I wrote for this series was that, you know, the Raptors fans had embraced the Jungian shadow. And I'm sure you know who Carl Jung is. And, mm-hmm. and no. it was it was just <laughs> it was a funny little piece I did. But I felt like it bore fruit because like this one little thing came and everybody was like, the world is over. We're on the brink of like the NBA finals. Everyone's like, but what will we do next year? And, you know, that's we're, we're going to the NBA finals this year. So that's good. And that'll be. Yeah, fun. that's something. That's something to think about. I think more important than anything is like everyone is going to get ready or not get ready to, but in, you know, a few years down the line when they have kids and they get to tell their kids about this NBA Finals, they won't they won't watch it, they won't show them highlights, but they'll give them Blake Murphy recaps and features, certainly, to tell the story. And that's what we all should be looking forward to is is the features that Blake gets to write about the finals. I mean, no offense to Blake, but I think we'll probably still be watching some highlights too. Uh, you know, I just want you to riff off of that with a joke or two at Blake's oh, expense. I'm not gonna. No, I'm. I'm happy for Blake. I'm happy for Blake and and Will and like a lot of other dudes who. This is like a very earnest time. I feel like in Raptors writers um, or like Raptors personality people's lives, and I think it's like uh, warranted that everybody is saying such nice things about everybody because it's been a long fucking season. <laughs> And everybody's yeah. been working really hard. Um, and, you know, it's paying off for a lot of people. And I think it's really cool and special that not only, well, this is just crazier that when you think about the NBA Finals coming to Canada, and I was wondering separately how many people, writers, are not going to be able to come because they did not anticipate this and they did not update their passports. But also to think about Blake and Will going to Going to Oracle and covering the game there. I think that's super cool. Yeah, well, I'm not sure if it's... It seems to me, and this could just be the echo chamber thing, but it seems to me that Toronto, the Raptors in particular, have a wealth of writing talent. I don't... It, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You, maybe, you, maybe you've read more than I have from other fan bases in recent years. Like, what do you think? I think we're like quite active on the internet, <laughs> maybe <laughs> to the chagrin of a lot of people. Uh, no, I think there's like, yeah, there's some phenomenal writers here. But that's like, you could talk about that with like any microcosm of like the arts in Canada. It's going to be in Toronto or a lot of it's going to be here and a lot of it's like underrepresented, you know, and like really slept on. So I feel like this is a great time to showcase ourselves and I don't know. It's not like there's any shortage of people writing things about the Warriors. <laughs> so if that's we true. can detract from that a little bit, I feel like that's pretty good for us. Yeah. Well, I guess, so the next thing I want to talk about with you, and it's something I'm very excited to talk about with you, is there is a man who works for the Toronto Raptors who has been inching closer and closer to a full-blown southern accent all year and you have (laughs) you've never (laughs) been you know let's say you've never been gung-ho for this person this nick nurse character he's got this thing where he's talking about keeps getting more and more you know bloviated throughout the season and now 
as his accent hits its peak, as does his coaching acumen. What are your opinions on Coach Nurse's job in this series? You know what? I think he's uh, dialed it back a little bit, to be honest. (laughs) The accent, anyway. I'm talking just about the accent for now. Um, He... Yeah, he's like he, and I think it had a lot to do with him wearing his own hat because I don't think the aesthetic of the black ball cap embroidered with NN is that country to begin with. So uh, I think he dialed it back, which is fine. But I have to say, I've actually been, aside from enjoying what he's been doing in the playoffs, I've been enjoying watching him more. I will say. There was a moment last night on one of the broadcasts where they showed Nick Nurse in a replay, but in slow motion, and he was mouthing, God damn it, but it it took like a full 20 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) And I really, I really felt like I empathize with that a lot. I felt that way many times. Yeah, that game was, it was definitely something, but more so than... No, not just the game, just the words... Slow motion mousing. God damn it. Yeah, that's a lot of syllables to get through. Especially yeah. in slow motion. I guess yeah. so when it's I was actually asking not. You... That's why it's no. <laughs> I feel Samson, you're really trying to set me up to say a lot of soundbite type things this podcast so far. Oh no, here's here's what I want, okay? Okay. To share that joke about Nick Nurse's uh, comment or his accent with you because it was it was your original take, but I also wanted you to talk about how he's done coaching. I I do I do appreciate the hat commentary; it's very good. But how, how do you feel about how he did coaching? Were you happy with his adjustments, his uh, lineup decisions? Yeah, I think he. I think he really came farther in this series than he did in the last two combined, I'd say. Um, I think because there was quite a few... Everything in this series was accelerated, right? Like, like I think with the last two, two matchups, there was time to take things, take things away, work on them, and sort of, like, recalibrate, whereas the Bucks aren't a team that you can do that with and be successful. Like, they are pretty relentless. They don't really give up easily. And I think the nature of this series was that everything was difficult. Everything was close. There's like no such thing as a blowout win with these guys. So I think the coaching and the adjustments are like, you know, it's like a minutia versus with some of the other games that we've seen in the series before you could take, like you could make an adjustment and then it could be fine for the whole game, but that's not going to work with the box. So I think that was one thing that I feel like I had been critical of nurse about for, the regular season um just like the quality and ability of his in-game adjustments when it really came down to it like if something didn't work what was he then gonna do and not really like we've seen him like hem and haw over things which is what i don't didn't like but i have to say i didn't really see him doing that in this series at all which was very it made me feel extremely confident in him yeah, after the, the two games that they lost, it seemed like every decision from then on out was a win. And it was not just the things that were premeditated, like the adjustments that came out where he decided not to shake up the starting lineup and he just decided to shake up the defensive assignments. 
but all the decisions from giving Danny Green the hook in game six, things of that nature, a lot of it was decisive, quick, and it it generally all of it ended up paying dividends. It was it was really nice to see because for a lot of the playoffs, myself, yourself, a lot of people were clamoring for him to do things that did end up, you know, having positive outcomes for the Raptors, but it seemed like he was late to that decision. So him getting on things early and reaching back into things that, you know, maybe the general fan wouldn't do. I probably wouldn't have put Siakam on Bledsoe, even though Siakam has had success on Wall in the past, which is a thing. But going to that, I, I like it a lot. And I guess talking about that, Nurse, I thought he did a good job. You were happy with his progressions to this point. What do you think going into the next series? Do you think that there's a big coaching gap between Kerr and Nurse? Yeah, I do. And, like, I don't think that it has to be a bad thing. I just think anyone that says otherwise, it's just such an obvious thing, you know? Like, they, they're different not only are they like different coach, they're different coaches altogether. They're different coach coaches in their coaching style. They're different coaches in terms of like, have they coached a team this far? I think um, Nick Nurse is like very lucky to have such a right now like an t- a entire team who seems for the most part like checked in. There's obviously a few uh, people who maybe will remain nameless who we're we're a bit worried about them showing up for the next series but I think like I don't know it's it's just like it's like an apples and oranges thing like I'm not gonna say one of them is better than another like Steve Kerr is a phenomenal coach and I think Nick Nurse has really come into his own in these playoffs in a way that's like made me reevaluate entirely what I thought about him coaching all year but I don't know if this is too bold of a take, (laughs) but I think Nurse has a slight advantage in the players he's coaching because what we have seen from the Warriors beside a couple of injuries to key players, like they're kind of used to this. And I know most people will say, well, that means that they're going to play a lot better and be better than that. But I think there's something to be said for like, like when you experience anything for the first time, the things that you take note of, you're just like way more aware of things versus like, you know, we've seen the Warriors really like phone it in. And I've also seen, maybe not so much in the postseason, but in the regular season, I've seen Steve Kerr not really be able to get a handle on that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like he's, he's like a lot of these guys, they're all like, they're all stars. They're like incredible star players all of them pretty much in their own right and the raptors conversely there's a few stars but i think they really the way that they communicate is extremely different than the way the warriors communicate and all of that is going to come down to the coaching staff too yeah i think that's uh as far as even though i feel like i led you in with an x's and o's thing that's probably a much better answer is that when it comes to managing personnel that Nick Nurse has a, a better group of guys. Well, maybe not better, but a different group of guys who respond in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's also worth noting that the Raptors, if anything, in these this playoff run, the one main thing they've been is incredible defensively, which, yes, that's the main takeaway. 
but they've been incredibly versatile in the ways that they've won. There's a lot of different routes to victory for them across this playoff series. And the Warriors generally have the same route to winning, whether it's KD on the floor or I know they changed a little bit. The, the makeup of their team is a bit different when KD's not out there. But they're still playing pretty much. They have their mantra. They have the way they go out there and they play when it's Steph leading it. And then they have the way they play with KD leading it. But they don't really move away from that. And I think that, I guess, the decision not to move away from things at time is is both, as it was with the Bucks, one of their greatest strengths because it allows the you know, the way they created the organization, the way they created the roster to really flourish. But at times it can if they're figured out for a point in time, it can really, really stagnate what they're doing. And that's why Houston has had despite being a much worse roster, has had a lot of success getting after them and giving them a lot of trouble in the playoffs. And I think if Nick Nurse is, you know, a coach worth his salt, he'll be able to get the Raptors to be versatile and changeable and strong and good defensively to match up with the Warriors. Are you, how do you feel about that series going into it? I uh... Like, I think, well, this, like, the whole surreal feeling of, of what just happened hasn't really worn off yet. So maybe a good conversation to have closer to Thursday. Because right now, and, like, in talking about it last night, like, immediately after the game, I feel like I'm not as nervous as I should be. Um, I mean, Durant being out is obviously a huge part of that. But when I started to think about, like, you know, what are these matchups going to look like? How do you guard against, like, somebody like Steph Curry who you can't really... And that's the thing. So I think there's certain inevitabilities that are going to happen in this series, which is, like, the Raptors have to keep, like, extremely close and annoying defensively and offensively, but there's also things that they're not going to be able to stop because you could push, like, Steph way out as far as you want to and he'll still make shots. And that's, like, how the Warriors... That's their what their game is based around. Um, and they have, like, other guys who can shoot, not just him, two from that far out. So I think it's going to be a real test for the Raptors to not get so hung up on that and to realize, like, there's going to be a lot of ebb and flow in this series in terms of, like, runs and what they look like and how I think quickly they can, they're going to turn. <laughs> just given, like, probably the volume of the three-point game. Versus the last few series, you know? Yeah. I think probably the best thing that could happen is that if Fred Van Vliet kept hitting 82% of his threes and Matt Moore <laughs> kept tweeting through it <laughs> for a full series, that would be very, very funny. But that's like you talked about, is there's a lot of ebb and flow, as there was in the Buck series. And the Raptors... I, I said that their defense was the main feature of their team, but maybe secondary to that was, yes, the versatility, but also the strength of will. It was like their brains are ironclad, and they're led by such, I guess, even-keeled players and intelligent players that even when they're down 15 in the third quarter of a game six, it's still not too much to come back, that they're trailing by a lot. A lot of different times during very important games, but it didn't phase them. They just kept going back to the woodshed, kept doing the things that 
that made them successful. So that's it's going to be so interesting. Is who would you put yeah. on Steph Curry? Um, Lowry. Okay. And then I Fred, I, I think. Like. I think um, I'd go Siakam, Fred. All right. All and right. then Lowry. I want to see. Thompson. Uh, yeah, I feel like Lowry, in the way he's been playing, is kind of wasted on both of those guys because <laughs> I don't know. Just like, I don't know that he's going to have to, again, like, it's going to be a weird series because I don't think he's going to have to be making as many of these, like, diving, crazy, like, diving, scrambling moves with this team as he was with most of the Bucks. Just because, I don't know, they play such a different, almost lazy style of basketball. And that might be weird for his energy. You know? Yeah. I think, but there is, like, especially on offense, when the other team's defense is lazy, that is like, that is where Kyle Lowry really goes to town because when he's, when he gets to walk into the lane after coming down off like a high screen, it seems like the whole world is in front of him. Like the decisions he makes and especially how he creates angles for like rim runners or if surge is popping, things like that on offense, I think it'll be very freeing for, to go from Eric Bledsoe, first team all NBA defense to Steph Curry. I think it, even though Steph Curry is not a bad defender, I still think it'll be interesting to see how Kyle Lowry responds because there's all the potential in the world for him to do very well in that matchup. But I guess I said Clay Thompson for him to defend because I really, really liked the job that he did on Chris Middleton. And when Clay Thompson is, you know, in the corner, the same way that Middleton camps out in the corner. Lowry being at the back end of the defense and like helping communicate and negotiate the space they allow seems important. And I'm not there with the team, so I don't know if that's actually something that's very important. So I'm just saying seems important. But also, there's no problem with just going traditional and sticking, you know, Lowry on Curry. But I also, I thought maybe you put Siakam on Curry, then Kawhi on Draymond. And anytime they try and run that pick and roll, you just switch it. And then it's like a nightmare for those two. It's wishful thinking. Well, I think the nice thing about this series is, you know, we're probably going to see both. Like, we're going to see both rotations, and we're going to see what works on one night, and then maybe, like, not on another, and then maybe does again miraculously, because I think things are going to have to be very changeable. I mean, to go back to what you said, it's funny when you say, like, you know, we're looking at a team who can be down by 15 and not be discouraged. And, like, a year ago... We, we would both be like, what team is that? Like, you can't be talking about the Raptors. <laughs> so I think there's a reason to think why probably most Raptors fans are feeling more confident than outwardly people might expect them to when going into this matchup, just because, like, we know we know what's happened to this team this past season. We've seen them put this kind of work in, and we've seen them evolve and become a an entirely different team than we've ever seen before and I think a lot of people unfortunately still look to past playoff performances or just think of the Warriors as this like unmovable barrier when neither of those things are true anymore yeah that's it's well also another team that you would have been able to say last year that they're down 15 and they're not worried, would have been the Warriors. It's an interesting juxtaposition that the Raptors are moving into that. And 
the Warriors. They're a bit, they've been kind of in flux throughout the year. And I guess that happens when you've had so much success and what seems like it's been attained kind of easily. So how do you, mm-hmm. like, as far as on the team level, do they have qualms with that? Like, how are they responding? Because I think you would hear any NBA player talk about it if they were asked about it, that the first championship means usually the most if they haven't won a finals MVP or anything because it's it's finally reaching the mountaintop. But if you're going there every year, you're just like, well, I, I walk this mountain every day. It's just the mountain now. It's, it's, not, it's not anything <laughs> crazy. <laughs> that type of thing. It's, I'm so interested because I think as writers too, there's just, and it feels lucky as Raptors writers to get to do this because we've never been out of the East. And it seemed like we were facing the same teams over and over in the East. It was the Cavs, even playing the Bucks again. What drove the Bucks when the Raptors beat them in six with DeMar DeRozan? It was still Giannis. It was still Chris Middleton. They were still the main cogs pushing that team. They still went through Giannis on offense. Middleton still tried to run the corner offense, that type of thing. And and the Raptors, they obviously beat a better version of the Bucks and were a better version themselves. But it just seemed like we were running into the same old thing, same old thing. As far as this series, looking at Marcus Saul who wasn't even on the Raptors when they played the two games against the Warriors this year. It's kind of like, what the hell is going to happen? Because mm-hmm. we've been watching Cavs Warriors for so long, and I'm very happy saying this. I have a dumb smile across my face, but the, the Raptors are apparently the heir apparent in the Eastern Conference. They're the ones who get to go against the Warriors and maybe, just maybe, evoke the Pistons and take out this, you know, this, I guess, what's the word for 10 years? the 2010s version of the early 2000s Lakers. Like, they can try and end an era. It's it's so interesting to me. There's so much going on. Yeah, and I think, like, you're looking at the evolution of, of two teams in real time. And, like, the Raptors, just based on their playoffs, like, their postseason performance so far, like, this team has evolved very quickly from when the playoffs started to now. And they are a different team in a lot of ways that like none of us could have expected. And it has to do with the way they were tested and what went wrong, what went right, and like what they fixed along the way. And I would argue that the Warriors have not changed at all because they haven't had to change during their playoff run. So take that how you will, but like I'm always more inclined to think the the team or the entity who is evolving quickly and adapting to change and taking all of that kind of learning into stock in real time is much more equipped than someone who's just kind of coasting on what they know. Yeah. It's, there's some symmetry with like big narratives, like the, the most famous stories of our time is David versus Goliath, things, of, things like that. And it's, it's, yeah, it interests me a lot because, like you said, it's, the Warriors have been coasting on what they are and the sheer mass of their talent and just how much better and the the level of their ceiling is absolutely immense. The things they're able to do on the court, sometimes they make basketball look like poetry, and then when it gets grimy, it gets gross, they just throw Kevin Durant out there, who is a historically great bucket getter when the games are grimy and gross, and it just seems like there's no way to game plan because Kevin Durant, if things get tough, He'll just go give 50, 40, 90, and it's a non-negotiable 50, 40, 90. Whereas the Raptors, there's this constantly changing and 
melding and transforming version of themselves and they're just trying so hard to get to the mountaintop and when they get up there just who knows what's going to happen i have to ask you when you said that marcus all's belly was full or that he looked full did you mean full of defensive acumen and gumption is that what you meant no and we've talked about this before (laughs) i said and there seems to be a lot of confusion around this, so I'm happy to put it put it right once and for all. <laughs> when I said earlier in the season that Marcus Saul always looks full, like he's just had a gigantic paella, I don't mean it to be particular to any part of his body, and I certainly didn't mean it in his like in a defensive or performance way. To me, it uh, was because it took away from his performance because he looked slow and labored and just like not, he looked sleepy like <laughs> because he just ate a gigantic bowl of gigantic paella. paella. <laughs> and he needs a siesta. That's what I meant when I said he looked full. <laughs> I, I guess I want to talk about, so Gasol, the Gasol JV thing happened. You 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 like JV a lot. I did too. You weren't as high as Gas as high on Gasol as some of us. And Gasol, for how much praise he's received, there has he hasn't done everything perfectly. You know, far from it. His defense was definitely good, but there were problems he caused on offense. He kind of even though he is a, a very good offensive player, he did provide a lot of difficulties with his reluctancy to shoot, things like that. What do you think about the trade looking back now? Do you think that this ceiling was available if the Raptors had JV and DeLon instead of Mark? No, but I think the answer is unfortunately like as complicated as you could make it because it's not as if they kept JV. If they kept JV, no, they wouldn't have had this ceiling. But I don't think it, it's solely because that they got Mark Gasol in exchange for JV that they got this ceiling. There were a lot of other nuance of things like happening with him coming and like what that how that adjusted and affected even minutely the rest of the roster I think like what you know for some of his lackluster performances in this last couple I think he had like two two good games in this in the Buck series and then you know he wasn't very good against the Sixers maybe like a good one good game but like he lends other things besides his performance. And I think those are the harder things to pin down when you say like, oh, we're going to trade this guy for this guy. And like, here's what we get on paper. Or like, this is what, you know, we can read the stat line and see like one's technically better and like has a, has a higher potential, but that's just like based on what you know of each on their like encore performance. So, I mean, I'm never, I can't, like, I'm not the person to ask to say, like, oh, did it, what did they get? Did they get, like, their money's worth, or is it, like, the trade that they, they wanted? Probably yes and probably no, because you can never know, like, what to expect from someone and what they're going to bring to the larger culture of a team. But I think in all the ways Gasol's been frustrating, he still lent a lot of that, like, seniority and that playoff expertise that was sort of lauded around him. I do. I will like give him that credit, even though we're maybe not like you're not seeing it in the most overt ways. It's there because there's a like for all the shift and, and adjustments and kind of like evolution of the team that we've talked about. 
I'm sure that he's had a big hand in that. And there's a lot of stuff that you're not seeing simply because it's not happening on the court, you know? Yeah, it's, well, that's the thing is his game, Kyle Lowry's game, guys who play and do those little, little things, but sometimes their unselfishness, you know, creates, it it makes the offense stagnant. Kyle has done it in the past where looking for that better shot has led to a bad shot. Things of things like that is like you're doing the right process all the time, but sometimes you need to be more selfish. It's tough for and there's tons of other players in the league who are always asserting themselves. And in a league where the fans, the media, everybody always wants a star who asserts, a star who does those types of things. You know, it's tough for Mark and Kyle and people like that to exist and it's hard to quantify just how they're doing it, even if we can quantify some of it. I bring up Kyle. As far as you've cheered for the Raptors for quite some time, as have I, a very old man that I am. <laughs> I got to ask you how, on a scale of one to 10, and then maybe in the worst way I could ask this question, speak on that, but speak on Kyle Lowry being Kyle Lowry and being rewarded with a trip to the finals and a chance at a, a championship. Uh, like what's the one to ten? Sure. No, what it what is the one to ten based on? Seven thumbs up, perfect movie score. And Kyle getting to go to the finals? Yeah. I, I like I meant like, like yeah. I I'm not a hundred percent sure of your question, but I'm happy to extrapolate. It's it's a it's a two parter. It's a two parter. Okay. It's like scale of one to ten, how you feeling? And then after that expand upon how you feel and why you feel that way okay well i obviously feel a 10 and i would like dare anybody to not feel that way right now but i will say with a caveat that there are a ton of people who will like i'm not going to name but who know themselves who were shit talking lowry to such an insane extent like in the middle of this season even just right before the the playoffs started that like we traded the wrong guy, like Lowry's trash, like he's going to choke. He's already choking before the finals. And like, what, like to those people, I'll just say like, have you not been paying attention and watching, not just to his performance in leading up to now, but again, like if you want to talk about evolutionary players, like Lowry has been so considered and so intelligent about the way that he's evolved his game really consciously like with and without the team without the team I think is like an incredibly smart way that not a lot of people are paying attention to but we should be because right now regardless of what happens it it would have been regardless of what happened in the in the playoffs but now even because of like more so because of what's happened in the playoffs he's going to be so valuable this summer to any team that needs someone like him who's like a glue guy on court and off so dogged plays his own style of basketball that I would say like, you know, there's a handful of other players who really are that gritty anymore. And like, he's, it's quite unique what he brings to the team and like how he'll still just like throw his body on the line whenever he needs to. Like he understands like that's, you know, some guys can have like an amazing three point game. Some guys like are incredible I don't know. Just like there's everybody's got their things, right? And like Lowry's thing is just like that he's unbreakable and like unflappable seemingly when he needs to be. So I think 
I think there's going to be a lot of clamoring for teams that are really rebuilding this summer for someone like Lowry. And, like, the Raptors should be very careful. I know there's, like, we got to concentrate on keeping Kawhi. But I do think to some, in some respects, like, that decision, if it hasn't been made already, it's soon going to be made. There's really not much the Raptors can do aside from, like, you know, the, the, the fundamental amount of money they can offer him. But I think, like, that decision, however you want to look at it, has probably been made. Whereas the Lowry one has probably not been made. And... You can't, I don't think you can lose him right now. You could, and, like, you could, like, the whole team could look totally different next year if, like, him and Kawhi both go, but I don't think that's, like, it's just, like, a, a, a smaller story that should be larger that I don't think a lot of people are thinking or talking about, but all of that said, I don't think there's anybody who deserves to, like, go to the finals more than Lowry. Yeah, I think... I wouldn't even say that on the Raptors. I would say, like, across the whole league. <laughs> I I think maybe I'd give Chris Paul. I I Chris Paul probably deserves the finals more than Kyle. Oh Lowry. my god. That's what? like maybe the worst thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> I must say great things that Chris Paul is so good at basketball. But so is Kyle Lowry and I would say like the way it, Lowry what Lowry lends to a team like you I don't I like watching Chris Paul play basketball, but I don't think he's a particularly good teammate. And I don't think that's a secret. And I just think, like, Lowry is the whole package. And, again, it is such a rare to have, like, a chemistry player as well as, like, an extremely all-star caliber talented player on your team. And I also just think, like, the narrative of Lowry is just way more enticing to me than the, the narrative of Chris Paul. And, like, the amount of defeat that Lowry has had, sometimes at his own hands, which I think he'd be the first one to acknowledge, you know? He's not going to say, like, oh, yeah, it wasn't me that choked in XYZ games in past playoff performances. I think he would say, like, yeah, I I definitely did that. But he's, like, exercised all of those demons. And now look where he is. I guess, could you imagine if the Raptors went up 3-2 against the Warriors and Kyle Lowry got injured in Game 5, and then he didn't get to play Game 6 and 7, and the Raptors lost. But his play was one of the chief reasons that the Raptors were ahead. Wouldn't that be just terrible? That'd be, Why? like, the worst thing ever. Why are you doing this? Well, no, I just... Because <laughs> I, I don't know why you... Like, Chris Paul, the teammate thing, whatever, but Chris Paul is, like objectively a top five point guard of all time and he the thing about Kyle Lowry that makes his narrative better yes his narrative better and I love Kyle Lowry I've written about Kyle Lowry I talk goingly about him but the thing is that he has failed but Chris Paul just really was getting knocked out by teams that were becoming dynasties or his teammates were absolutely garbage and his stats never faltered. His play never faltered. Like, he was never, ever the reason. And, like, the same way that Kyle Lowry plays this incredible brand of gamesmanship, hustle, heart, and just little things building on top of everything, and then skill, talent, and intelligence stacking on top of that, then, you know, creates this version of a player who's so cerebral and terrific like Kyle Lowry is. I feel like Chris Paul does, like, the same things. 
and maybe maybe I'm a villain for liking Chris Paul, who seems I guess it seems like you view him as a villain, but I think no, Chris, I, think I, I love both Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul. I don't think he's a villain, but it's interesting to me because kind of the things that you're saying have like stood in Chris Paul's way are more indicative of the league and like league trends than anything that Chris Paul has done to like set himself up. And like that's that obviously that does suck. Like we've seen that that happened to the Raptors. This was the first year when LeBron left the East and like you didn't you didn't have that in the way. I think Chris Paul like did everything he could do even by setting himself up by like deciding to go to Houston. Like that's a team that's a team if there was a team in the West that could make a run at Golden State, like that's a team that, you know, if you want to talk about like going up the mountain again and again, like the he, the Rockets are like that's like they're Sisyphean like to to the Warriors, but like so the Warriors are like taking a nice stroll up the mountain, but the Rock the Rockets are like almost getting there every single year and then they're getting knocked back down again. So that sucks, and I don't think like to me that's not like this, this, that has nothing to do with Chris Paul, but it really sucks for him. I just think I just think there's something to be said for. I don't know. I guess like I'll always. This is probably it for me personally. I'm always going to root for the underdog, and I think Lowry is just the more enticing player for that. And then personally, the way that I feel like I've watched him evolve, and like what I've what we've gotten to see as fans, and then like as a writer, how I've been able to like write about him and cover him, and just like the amount of maturity he's gained with this team and then everything he brings to it anew every year is a lot different than what I've seen Chris Paul do to any team he's played on. But I mean, I can acknowledge that I'm just like much closer to Lowry to be able to see those things. Well, I think I just, I would love if both of them made the finals. It's, it is, it is more intriguing because Lowry's the 24th pick in the draft and, Paul was the the fourth or fifth. I can't remember which one exactly. And that Paul started operating at his ceiling a lot earlier. And maybe it does harken back to that coasting on what you know, even though I don't think Paul is that type of player. And then Lowry has been building himself unbelievably with so much consistency every year in and year out, even though that was kind of what DeMar was famous for. Kyle's been doing it too, just without that much credit. And he's been better than DeMar, but having some of that siphoned off, some of the credit siphoned off to DeMar anyway, definitely from a narrative perspective, I agree that Kyle, there's been so many, I guess, valleys to his career, only to plateau so many times that the finally he gets, you know, a mountain instead of a valley is, is kind of a beautiful thing. Well, not kind of, it's definitely a beautiful thing. But I, I didn't expect the Chris Paul conversation to come. I, I really like Chris Paul. I like Kyle Lowry better. A good deal. Yeah, better. I can t- tell. Jeez. But I also will say some a guy I would rather see in the in the finals than Chris Paul is probably John Wall. <laughs> you would like John Wall in the finals more than Chris Paul? Yes. Wow, that's crazy <laughs> to me. That's nuts. John Wall's trash. No, I'm just kidding. It's not trash. He's very good. John Wall, if not for injuries, when he was just like tearing open the, the transition, he was crazy for so long. It sucks that he hurt his feet. But John Wall anyway, get well soon. Yeah, it it would be much more fun if he returned to form. That would be a lot of fun. 
I think for the listeners listening right now, you're about to hear an ad read, and then Katie and I will be back for Twitter questions. So enjoy that. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. Still joining me, Katie Heindel of the Basketball Feelings newsletter of Yahoo, The Athletic, I think Real GM, other types of fame, writing there. Still doing lots of great writing. But now, here to answer Twitter questions that you guys have posed. Robert A. Senta, at Rob Senta, says, Does Alfonso McKinney get a ring regardless of the outcome of the series? I don't think he was on the roster at the start of the year. No, he was like a real quick in and out. And I, unfortunately, as much as I have a soft spot for that guy, no. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't <laughs> think he'll get a ring. I do think that Malcolm Miller has the potential to end up like Alfonso McKinney, though. Mm-hmm. I think that Malcolm Miller will sign on a team, and I think he'll be surprisingly good at defense and making three-pointers if, if that... Uh, Alfonso McKinney will get better. a couple hugs yeah, and some warm wishes and uh, reunions. And that's, that's like a room for everybody. I, I, this, this one I want to ask you. So this one is RG at WRDRG says, if we win the finals, how crazy is it that Kawhi would have his hand in closing the final books of two generational super teams, Miami and the Warriors? Pun intended. It is crazy. Absolutely, it's crazy. Especially when you think that, like, all we've ever, not ever, but for the past, like, five years that the conversation is around, like, what's the kryptonite to the super team? And, like, is it going to be something that goes away on its own, you know, naturally through the evolution of the NBA and what that's going to look like and how things have been changing? Or is it is it that we, we need to wait for one chosen player to come forward and be the one to deliver us that? Um, so yeah, it's like a crazy opportunity for Kawhi. It's like, I don't know who else has ever done that in their career. And it's Um, a great pun. Yeah. I'm so excited to see how he matches up and how he does in the series. Because like when he had his hand, his claw in taking out the Miami Heat, there was this real, like, he was an absolute menace on the floor. You could see it on LeBron's face that when he had to go, go against Kawhi as opposed to other players, he was dejected a little bit because he's like, damn, this guy again. Because Kawhi is this unbelievable defender, and he'll just he'll completely mitigate everything you do well. And the potential he has to do that against the Warriors and then take into account that Zaza stepped under him and caused this whole chain of events of his body breaking down and him having to take a year, a year and a half away from basketball is like really crazy. And it's what a way to bookend this chapter of the Raptors would be to, with this introduction of Kawhi would be something else. What's crazier to think is what if Kawhi orchestrated this 
entirely as an extremely complicated and risky revenge plot against Zaza and his legacy. Feels like too much for Zaza. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I sometimes feel like I would do that to Zaza. Zaza has an unbelievable amount of support. He almost got voted into the All-Star game the one year. How crazy is Which that? Which is bizarre to me, but whatever. Um, yeah. He looks like he Maybe. should be in John Wick with Boban. They should be a, an assassin duo. They should be, actually, yeah. Absolutely. I saw that movie. It was very good. Boban was very fun. Good for Boban. I hope he just, like, gets right back into Hollywood. Yeah. I hope he gets, like, Andre the Giant-type roles. I hope Boban ends up in whatever the equivalent of the Princess Bride of this 10 years is. That would be incredible. I want him, yeah, he can have some of those roles, but I'd love him to have some also serious roles. And roles he's chosen for himself, not just because of his size. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a nice (laughs) thought, too. His name was Ernest in John Wick. Interesting Which fits choice. his whole thing, <laughs> I think. Ernest is good. Now I'm just thinking about The Princess Bride. I'm getting kind of sidetracked. So, <laughs> it's such a good movie. At the Jedi, which is a, a three instead of an E. I love Star Wars, so um, very good for being a Jedi. Does anyone know <laughs> when Masai's contract expires with the Raptors? This is, I'm not sure. He signed a five-year contract when? Yeah. He signed a five-year contract, I think, in 2013. But then he also signed an extension, I think, in 2016. Okay. I'm looking it up. I don't know how long the extension was for. I realized, as I looked at this question a little bit in advance of the pod. Great preparation. Thank you for doing that. I mm-hmm. appreciate it so much. Of course. You know what's a weird thing? Is this... It's Bobby Webster, right? That's uh, mm-hmm. the right-hand man? Yes. Is I saw like a couple tweets that were just throughout the year that people were saying, like, this isn't actually Masai's building. Like, Bobby Webster is the one who's actually made all the decisions. Which I thought was an absolute galaxy brain take because it's like, how could you possibly know that? Like, where's this coming from? Have you heard anything like that? No, and I don't really believe it. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. I just it's thought a real it was Bobby, so interesting. Bobby Stan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, Bobby seems good at his job. Any right-hand man to Masai is probably, probably good. I can't find when his contract ends. Um, it might be you, this year. You stumped us. <laughs> yeah, the Jedi doing a Jedi mind trick. How apropos. Yeah. Better pun than uh, the hand in closing the chapter type of thing. Jamf at J underscore Prakya. Have you heard anything about Nick Nurse coaching Team Canada, or is that just a rumor for now? Would be one of the few hires that would be worth the strange hiring process they took. More Nick Nurse conversation on the Katie Heindel Basketball Games podcast. I am very excited. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I saw Blake comment about this, which I think means that it's somewhat real. Yeah, I, don't I think saw the Blake same comments thing. comments on garbage. Yeah, I don't think so. But I also don't think anyone knows anything more than that. But I, from what I understand, the source 
It's not like a freewheeling. It's not like a Bobby Webster take. So I think it's a bit more <laughs> grounded in reality and maybe some facts that we don't know yet. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's fitting for sure. For like a Southern gentleman to, to coach team Canada. Why not? <laughs> well, I, yeah, you're, you're Canadian as am I, but for the purpose of this question, you're Canadian. How do you feel about him coaching your, your, I guess, Canada's national team? It's fine. I don't know. I don't really get, like, there aren't a lot of options. So I feel like I'm not going to get too hung up on that. Who is it? It's been Jay Triano. Leo Routens. Leo Routens coached the Canadian basketball team, didn't he, for a time? Yeah, that's what I mean, you know? I think that means that Nick Nurse is, like, an absolute win. Yeah, he's a a get for sure. Because I I talked about this on the podcast with Adam McQueen, where Adam was marveling at that sometimes Leo Routens, when they're losing games, will just be like, you just got to throw it in the post. Give Marcus all some post touches. Let him go to work. Which is, if that was how they handled the, the Canadian national team, was just like, Who's the tallest guy on the floor? Him? Give him the ball near the basket and we'll win the damn game. Do you hear me? It seems like it's not the best idea. So I'm glad we're not going in the Leo Routens direction and more so in a, in a Nick Nurse direction. But also that comes with the caveat of I'm not extremely well-informed when it comes to the Canadian national team. So there's your caveat. Neither am I, frankly. Sorry. Oh, this is this is a really really great uh, username. Boots, boots underscore stube. So <laughs> it's boots boots. <laughs> and as it reads, I'm just gonna read the second the stube as boots. So boots Please. boots boots says, what inside info could Pat McCaw have told the Raptors about the Warriors? Play calls, signals. He played for them last year. He's got to know some stuff. I think I'm going to take this one, Katie. We have Go a guy. Ahead. We have a Go guy ahead. on the roster of Raptors Republic roster. Yes. Um, his name is Coop, and he breaks down the Raptors offense. And he's actually able to do the offenses of other teams and defenses of other teams. And he does it pretty quickly. And he compiles all the stuff because he has a wonderful, big basketball brain. If there is any scouts, any scouts worth their salt on the Raptors, they will likely not need Pat McCaw's insider info uh, to get things. There shouldn't be anything that the Warriors have done this year that should have gone unnoticed by the Raptors. That's, that's my opinion on that. But if Pat McCaw wants to suggest something, then yes, of course. What do you think, Katie? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, it would be interesting if he knew some more personal details, like phobias or allergies. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I hope there's not a lot of insight that he's giving that, to your point, the coaching staff, who's, that's their whole job, uh, haven't picked up on throughout this season. I have a hypothetical for you. Yes. If it turns out that Steph Curry is scared of spiders, you brought up phobias. He has arachnophobia. 
great. Is it a win for whoever his primary defender is to tattoo a spider on their hand so that when they face guard him, it freaks him out? Yeah, but they don't need to do the real tattoo. They've got like temp tattoos that could do that. So <laughs> is that like a, a win Halloween, then? a Halloween style temp tattoo. Yeah, do it. <laughs> what do you think is the scariest spider? What type of spider would you put on your hand if you wanted to scare somebody who is an arachnophobe? I mean, a sticker or a temporary or even a real tattoo, I would venture, wouldn't be as scary as a, as a real spider. But uh, have you seen the huntsman spider? I have seen the huntsman spider, yes. That's a pretty fucking scary spider. And I think probably runner-up to the camel spider. The camel spider. I remember when I was young, I used to Google pictures of the camel spider. And I'd see pictures of it next to, like, a boot. And then I'd be like, oh, man, I'm really lucky that they're not where I live. Because if they were where I lived, I would die. It was (laughs) insight. I I mean, I still think that. So... (laughs) Yeah, they're they're very terrifying. Can I? I was playing basketball here, and me and my friends were playing basketball, and suddenly, this massive locust came onto the court, and I gotta tell you, after looking it up, I saw one of the largest locusts in history. It was like the length of a goddamn hot dog i have a picture of it 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 was huge it was it was so gross and massive i couldn't believe what i was seeing sometimes like big beetles will come onto the court and there's the i think it's like the some sort of widow um moth that's here as well that's quite large but my god this locust it looked like a green hot dog with legs and like a face like the the antagonist from Bugs Life. It was horrible. That's fucked out. Yeah, yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> and we rolled a basketball towards it so it'd like fly away. And it literally it stuck its leg out and pushed the basketball away from it. <laughs> it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I was like, if I ever see an insect deny a basketball that's rolling towards it and just like, no, thank you. Excuse me? What? What intelligence level are you operating on? Like its frontal lobe grew so much because it's so stupidly large that now it has this intelligence. It was so scary. I hated yeah, it. We actually you shouldn't have antagonized basketball. it. Oh, I yeah, was going to okay. say, you should have stopped because I feel like now it wants its revenge. You want to hear something even funnier, though? Way yes. funnier. All of us. The one guy is from Canada like me. He's from Toronto. My other friend... He's from Peru, named Beto. Uh, hi, Beto, because he listened to the podcast. And the other guy was from Mexico City. A lot of different cultures there. And I asked them if they had ever seen anything besides that. They're like, no, never. This little girl with a scooter came scooting along, and she damn near stepped on it. <laughs> like, it wasn't even there. It was the... Ugh. Because we were all, we're all, you know, adults and we were so scared of it. And she was just like, ah, la, 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 la. And she almost stepped on the damn thing. It just, ugh. I, we were all shocked. But it was, it was quite something. It was unbelievable. So, yes, Pat McCaw will not be providing any info. Not, not that's very uh, important. 
The last question, Katie, are you ready for the last question? From your yes. personal troll. We're <laughs> off to a good start. <laughs> How woke is Skip Bayless on Kawhi Leonard? Um, like my zero, God. zero woke. Is this a real question? You really are being a troll for no reason. Yeah. Refer uh, to... I want to say that that <laughs> sorry when i first saw that his response i was like this man has actually lost it like he's as unhinged as donald trump like that that's what if you want to talk about like sucking the joy out of moment because you're so focused on one specific player like i don't know why he hates Kawhi leonard so much and like what his reasoning could be but whatever it is like it's probably patently wrong and false given that it doesn't really take him a lot to like jump to these wild conclusions. And it was also just like kind of problematic if you like want to be honest, because he was talking about that, like he should be incarcerated. (laughs) I watched the first take when I was, I think like from ages 15 to 17, I'd watch the like YouTube clips when it was Stephen A. Smith yelling blasphemous and Skip Bayless hoeing and humming. The, what I know about Skip Bayless is that he's a Spurs fan. I wasn't. I didn't watch first take at when Kawhi was disbanding from the Spurs, so I don't know intimately why he is so filled with hatred. But I assume it's because he left his favorite team, and that a very prominent media member can like say something that vitriolic is really crazy to me. And but also with the caveat of Skip Bayless is harmless. But also that it's crazy that he does that kind of thing. I, I couldn't believe that that was written. And yeah, sucking the joy out of a moment is completely right. I couldn't believe that he would say that. It was so strong. Yeah. It was extremely strong. And like ultimately just made him look stupid and sad. And like I think CJ McCollum had a real perfect and kind of gentle response. To just be like, give it a rest, get some sleep, get the hate out of your heart. is perfect and gentle, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I don't think that's a smart or good or like necessary take. And I think Skip Bayless has really got to reevaluate his priorities. I think he's he's just looking at the engagement and he's probably happy with it. That's the thing is those guys, they forget what they say like six seconds after they say it. That's why there's videos online of them arguing with themselves about the same topic. It's terrific. Anyway, you'll, you'll never get that from Katie and I. We're as consistent as they come. Katie, um, I feel like this is a perfect opportunity for you to plug all the stuff that you think the listeners should listen to or read. What do you think? From anyone? From yourself. Preferably. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm ending the podcast. I'm giving I'm giving you the send off. Thank you. Um, if you're not a subscriber to a great newsletter, potentially soon to be podcast called Basketball Feelings, you should do yourself a fave. Sign up right now. A newsletter worth your time and energy. Unlike Skip Bayless. And his uh, sad, sad man takes. 
Um, and otherwise, I don't know. I got some stuff cooking up, but you'll just have to just have to keep an eye out. Follow me on Twitter. Why not? And her Twitter is at WTEBS. Whatevs. That's Katie Heindel. Whatevs. Yeah. Perfect. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This has been uh, a very relaxed, <laughs> but also a blast. High energy and full of hot takes. I'm very happy with this episode. Yeah. Great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> a pleasure, okay. as always. <laughs> yeah. All right. And for you, the listener, I've got great news for you. This podcast is about to end. And even better than that, I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great night. Whenever you get around to it, have a blessed day and goodbye. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.